Today we hear a very interesting lesson, that gospel lesson at the very beginning of Mark's gospel where Jesus is just starting out and he's beginning to gather a little attention. And we have this scene where the very first people, people in a sense, that see Jesus for who he is are these evil spirits. And these evil spirits see that God is doing something new and God is doing something new in this person of Jesus and they become afraid. God is actually doing new things all the time. And in today's two lessons that we heard from Deuteronomy and of course in Mark, God is drawing together two dots, connecting two dots, an idea that goes all the way back with Moses. Moses has done an amazing thing for God's people, freed them and given them a new vision and a new life. And the people are asking, what else? And Moses hears from God that something great will happen in the future, raising up a prophet that will speak with God's own voice. And so these two dots are now connected from the time that the people were freed all the way to when Jesus is seen by those in the world who know that God is doing this new thing. Now, as Jesus is seen this real time, Jesus begins to call his disciples together. People follow him. They learn from him. But then, of course, Jesus' earthly ministry ends. And then Jesus provides a challenge for his followers. The very last thing that Jesus offers is the great commission, that great commission to go out and make disciples of all people. That kind of dot is now connected today with us. You see, Jesus did not simply exist in one particular period of time and then his message and his ministry and his impact in the world frozen. Jesus instead became part of the spirit that God works out in the world, that spirit that comes down and is inside each one of us, challenging us to change over time and to actually extend that great commission to the entire world. Those dots are connected over time and we are the ones that inherit the challenge to actually take God's ministry out in the world to make sure that the impact of Christ's ministry does not stop back in history, but continues right now, today, with us. Now, as I was thinking through the idea of the way in which we inherit ideas, because of course we've inherited what Jesus has did, I was reminded of a podcast I listened to a couple weeks ago. I love podcasts. I listen to them all the time. And there are a few that I listen to very regularly. And one that I listen to regularly always ends in a particular way where the hosts of the podcast talk about something that happened in the last week that made them feel really good, something that kind of uplifted their spirits. And one of the hosts has gone through a bit of grief this past year. About mid-year last year, he lost his mother. He's about my age, so a little young to lose your mother. And he was grieving for months the loss of his mother. And of course, as all of us know, one of the hardest moments in time to go through when you've lost someone you love deeply is at the holiday time. And so as he's going through that Christmas period, he was really missing his mother and it kind of kept him down all the way through Christmas. But at the beginning of the new year, he decided he was going to do something to remember her. And as he was thinking about what he might do, he realized that he had a book of recipes from his mother that she had given him when he graduated college. And he had kind of taken this recipe book and put it on the shelf because he was very confident that he was a terrible cook. 
And so he didn't want to mess up these recipes, but now his mother was gone and he decided he was going to pull the recipe book off the shelf and he started flipping through these recipes and one stuck out to him. That one that stood out to him was her tomato sauce. And it was super simple. It's something that you just simmer on the stove for a few hours and it gets all good, but it only has like six ingredients. And so he thought, I can do this. And so he puts it on the stove and he starts to simmer and all of a sudden, the house smelled like his mother. And he was warmed and it made him so happy and he realized, oh, I can do this more often. I can actually remember her in this very tangible way more often. Now, I like that story for two reasons. One, it's because I don't think anything smells better than like onions and garlic and butter and olive oil. Ugh, it is so good, with maybe the exception of chocolate chip cookies in the oven or something, but I'm a savory person, so I'm gonna go with onions and garlic. The other reason I like that story is because I think that we can all take that idea and apply it to our lives. All of us have inherited something from the people who came before us. All of us have been given a gift from those who came before us. And when we apply that to our faith life, that is very true for most of us. Most of us in this room, not all, but most, have been given the gift of faith by people who loved us and who came before us. But I dare say that many of us, maybe most of us, treated that like a really nice book of recipes and we received it and maybe we said thank you, but then we put it on a shelf. We know that that represents something meaningful. We know it represents people who loved us. But there's just something about being given those recipes those learnings, those things that were important to the people who came before us that may not feel like ours. We may not always feel like we own it. We may even, if we go even farther, consider them to be anachronistic or old-fashioned or something that doesn't really resonate with us right now. But actually, there are these deep truths, deep learnings, recipes for a good life that people before us knew very well and they passed down to us. And if we just take a moment to consider what they could do for us, how they could inform us, how they could change the way we behave and the way we act and the way that we root our lives, we just might discover that it's an even greater gift than to be loved, but to be loved enough for people to encourage us to live in this particular profound way. You see, each one of us has been called. Each one of us is loved. Each one of us is challenged to change in ways that help develop who we were created to be as children of God. There are ways to reclaim habits and learnings and teachings that have been passed down to us. There are ways that church, like St. Michael, can actually encourage us to develop all of those wonderfully profound ways of being that then allows us, like you and me, us actual people, not some disembodied idea of church, but actually those of us in this room, to inherit the great commission that Jesus left with his disciples 2,000 years ago. It's not something that's in history. It's something that is active today for each one of us. We have inherited the charge to go out and make disciples of all people. And that can sound very scary. It can sound very confusing. Like, how do we even do that? Let's talk about that. We begin 
by committing ourselves to that kind of work. We begin by giving something of ourselves over to that kind of work. We speak all the time of giving in ways, time, talent, treasure, but so often we like that idea and it remains theoretical. We don't actually put legs on that idea. We don't actually make a commitment to give in some way that changes us. Let's talk about what giving actually means for us. Giving is not at our convenience and giving is not whenever we're able. Giving is something that is meant to challenge us to change the way that we live. We have to give enough in order to change the way we live. How much do we give? Don't let any amount be a hurdle to you, whether that's time, talent, or money. Every way that we give should not cause a hurdle or a wall in front of us, but it should push us. We should be able to give enough to where we have to choose not to do certain things in our lives. And that could be taking trips. That could be buying things. That could be seeing someone in our life. That could be even our own jobs. We are meant to give something up in order to do the work that God is calling us into. And if we are not giving up enough, if we, if we are not giving enough to have to give up something else in our lives, then we're not giving enough. God is calling us into a way of life that sets habits and practices that actually change the way that we live. And if we aren't giving enough to change the way we live, then we're missing the opportunity to have our hearts and minds changed over time. And then when you apply that to the Great Commission, how do we go out into the world and raise up disciples? It starts with just one other person. Who have you spoken to about your faith recently? Who have you invited to participate in the life of your faith recently? Have you invited someone to go with you to a prayer group or a Bible study or to worship or to serve in the community? Have you encouraged one other person in your life to make a change in their life? That invitation is not just for us to consider on our own, but that invitation is meant to be fully relational. We sit in this room as a big group not because it's convenient for all of us to be here at the same time every week, but because we need to be with each other at regular moments throughout our lives in order to remind us of who God is calling us to be because left to our own devices, we're gonna make excuses and we're gonna make sure those excuses are really good and we're gonna convince ourselves that those excuses are worth letting go of the charge that God makes to each one of us. But when we look at each other in this room, and I know we're not actually looking at each other in this room, but after this is over, if you look at the people in this room, you know you are responsible to them and they are responsible to you. We are responsible, accountable to one another to continue to push ourselves to grow more deeply in who God has called us to be. And we don't stop there. We go out into the world and we become the hands and feet of love. And that does include inviting other people in here. Y'all, this world is filled with people who find themselves adrift. And when they are adrift, they yoke themselves, they hook themselves, they root themselves in stuff that has nothing to do with God. Is that good enough for us? I hope not. 
I hope there are people in your life who are defining themselves in ways that you know could be better and that you love them enough to invite them into a life that you find important enough to show up this morning. God calls us to give and in the giving to be changed and in that changing to make disciples of all nations. As we begin to look at this new year, as we begin to set habits and behaviors, I ask if you are giving enough so that the giving changes you. If not, give some more. And if so, make sure that change is not just for your sake alone, but that you become a reflection of God's light and love in the world that invites others to take this journey with us. Amen.